Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program. Broadcasting live every Sunday from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue on Q4 Radio and at MikeNovak.net. Here he is again, Mike Novak. Hello, my friend. Are you visible today? This is specifically, specifically for uh, Mr. DeMaio here, and uh, Mr. DeMaio is in the studio. It is a beautiful Sunday. It is a great Sunday. I got through all the construction and destruction on Western Avenue from Addison southward to Elston. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy there. Although it's it's a lot better than it was. I haven't been in this stretch for quite some time. I used to be. Um, a regular because my son went to Lane Tech. Oh. And I would constantly use this path to um, pick him up or drive him there or go to events. And um, I remember that bridge that goes over the Chicago River was literally a war zone for about five or six years. Remember that? Yeah. And, yeah. and frequently you saw either people with blowouts or hubcaps at the other end of they the bridge. They would just go <laughs> flying out, you know? Yeah. So this is good that they're doing that. I mean, the city needs to repair their infrastructure, and hopefully uh, hopefully it'll help the uh, overall um, paths of cars and trucks and bicycles as well. Yeah. Well, you know, you couldn't take a bicycle over no. that bridge. You were taking no. your life in your hands right, right. By, by doing – you're just driving over right, it. You were taking right. your life in and, your hands. And speaking of kayaks, I know Peggy mentioned this before. I don't have my inflatable kayak with me. Why not? Um, we're so disappointed. I, I just – you know, when, when I pulled the, my muscle on my back about a month ago, I said, okay, no more kayaking for a while. Uh-huh. Uh, but I used to kayak and canoe this part of the Chicago River. And frequently going under the Western Avenue Bridge, oftentimes when a couple of big semis would basically go over the bridge from left or from north or south, you would sometimes see pieces of concrete or asphalt fall into the river. No, really? Yes. Oh, my yes. boy. It was one Yikes. of those things that all of a sudden I'm like, what was that? And I realized it was the bridge basically falling onto our heads. So um, uh, that, was, that was another good reason to repair the bridge, top and the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the fact that they did it at all, I mean, and and for a couple of weeks there, um, just in that whole area, mm-hmm. because there's also major construction at Elston and Fullerton and Damon. Oh. Damon. Yeah. Okay, and they're and they're rerouting that whole thing, but yeah, because that was that was a really bad. That oh, was a, one yeah. of the worst intersections in the city. Yeah, I think it was rated the worst at one point. Was I, it? Yeah, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah. So that and 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 then they were then they tore down the big bridge uh, on Western, mm-hmm. and for a couple of weekends you couldn't get in or out of the area. Right. And you right. there were certain times of the day it was completely gridlocked, and you, know, you were stuck. You know, and, and it's interesting because we talk about how um, those intersections have you know extremely high travel times. You have a lot of cars that are idling at the um, uh, at the at the lights. I, it would be interesting, Mike, if someone do a real detailed study of the ability for, for plants and trees to flourish in those areas. I'm sure it's not very high. 
And if you would do some sort of study on birds, do birds actually try to build nest or life in those areas? So, you know, one of the reasons why, well, I shouldn't say one of the reasons, one of the good things about moving the traffic through those areas faster or just more efficiently, it probably helps the, the ecosystems and the biodiversity of even urban areas. And then in, and in, and in people on bikes, you're sitting there and you're, and you're breathing and basically fumes for almost five or eight minutes. So yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot of benefits from it. There really are. <laughs> well, uh, and, you know, and that's an actually interesting point, which has nothing to do with um, weather or <laughs> meteorology or climate. but A lot to do with the environment and but, sustainability. But, uh, exactly. Yeah. But mm-hmm. watching uh, Chicago, and this is really in the past 10 years, mm-hmm. become a bicycle city. It's really changed. Yeah, and- they, they've done good things, and I think I think when when they put in that bike lane north of um, I think it was Addison on Elston all the way to Foster Avenue, or it was a disaster because they took out one of the lanes for cars, mm-hmm. and they made it a two lane to a one lane. And what it did was it actually increased the travel times. And I don't really see a lot of bikes on that part of Elston. Yeah. Well, you know, but in other places like Milwaukee, uh, it, Milwaukee yeah. has become oh, yeah. bike central. All yeah. right. And, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, mm-hmm. there there was a fatality recently. Right. Uh, and there's been a, a couple of fatalities oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. recently. And, and unfortunately, that's going to be part of the tra- right. transition. Right. right. Uh, but we're not Beijing yet. Uh, and we don't well, want to become Beijing from a standpoint of air quality. <laughs> No, we don't. Yeah, but, but, but and one of the ways you do that is you have more bicycles right, on the road. Right, right, right. And I if, can remember um, back in the eighties, my brother was living in London, uh, and um, I went to visit him. Stayed for about a month, and he had a bicycle waiting for me when I got there. Nice. And so I was out there in London. It's a great city to bicycle. Yeah. I mean, because the the streets are small. You have and, bike- bikeable weather, if you want to call it that. Yeah, eleven months out of the year. But I'll tell you something. They had the the what do they call them? The circles, the traffic circles. Mm-hmm, you're taking mm-hmm. your life in your hands if you're on a bicycle there. Because I, when I was in Paris last summer, I had a bike with me every day. They're everywhere, and I biked around the Arc de Triomphe, which was insane. Because in, in the Arc <laughs> no, 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 the, no, the river is sane. Okay. Yeah, no. I know that. No, no, no. But thank but, you very much. Thank you. But 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 there's about I think one two I think there's eight lanes of traffic that go in and out of the Arc de Triomphe. It is absolutely crazy, um, and I actually got across it to hang out under the Arc, and then a, a nice gentleman um, with a um, a uniform on and an AK-47 who was part of the Paris police. That's what they, that's what they, they carry out there. And some of the, Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 Well, they've had some issues. Yeah. Said you need to take your bike out of here and back over where you were. I'm like, well, can I go back through this way where the people are goes, no, you have to come the way you came, which was basically trying to get across eight lanes of traffic. I I did it, but it was crazy. Oh my Um, goodness. So yeah, I mean, so, so, you know, getting back to the environment, biking is great for reduction of air pollution uh, I think the city and is, your health and your health as yeah. long as you're not sucking in carbon mono- right. monoxide. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we got a long way to go on that. But I think uh, Mayor Emanuel's and his staff has gone a long way to promote that, even though they got rid of the Department of the Environment years ago, which is still a big stick. You know, point. it's it's a huge sticking point with me. Uh, I don't know if it is with you. Um, I'm so glad that the bike thing is working. You know, it's his record on the environment is is the best. You can say the absolute best is that it's mixed. Yeah, yeah. That's the way I, yeah. I feel about it. By the way, i got to try some because you never sure. hear this when you're on the phone calling in. Okay, I oh, just wow. want to make sure that the, that 
Whoop, there yeah. it goes again. There's all we, kinds of stuff that happens here that yeah, you can't you know, hear on like the phone. When we play the music and stuff, apparently it doesn't go through the phone, so which is a shame because I'm, I, I think I, I hear it sometimes. Yeah, you might hear it in the in, in the background. Who knows? But uh, uh, Rick DeMaio in studio. Uh, you can always give us a call if you want to ask a question. Three one two nine eight five seven eight three four, or um, tweet us at Mike Now or write uh, on Facebook at the Mike Novak show, or even, uh, I, I don't have Instagram open, so I'm not sure. <laughs> there, we just posted an Instagram. Did we really? Yes, we did. We, the Roy, is that the Royal we or the editorial we? Both. Yeah, okay. both. Okay. Uh, of, of the, uh, of the <laughs> that, big apple pie that was I brought me, in? No, that was me doing the gymnastics to get you both into the oh, Instagram I gotcha. square. I gotcha. Oh, you did the, the photo for Instagram. Okay. Yeah. It's hard to get photos because the guests sit across. We sit across right. from each other. And there's this right. microphone in everyone's face. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the way Typical radio studio But stuff. Rick yeah. brought in a pie from Who's Your Mama? So this will get Instagrammed before. And what, what kind of pie is that? Apple pie. Yeah, my yeah. fave. And hopefully, because, uh, you know, getting into the apple season and trying mm-hmm. to promote local growers. And yeah. Hoosier Mama, which is on the corner of uh, Kedzie and Chicago Avenue, just a block south of Maine in Evanston. They have the best pies, um, I think, anywhere in, in the area. It's, it's really unbelievable. We didn't mention that uh, Patrick Berry brought in vegetables. Yes, he mm, brought in it? a bunch of peppers and... Runner be uh, some kind of bean. Oh my goodness! We'll have to figure out how to divvy him. Look, yeah, I think there's a cucumber there too. So yeah, he's, he's bringing in the healthy stuff, and yeah. you're bringing, you're in, the bringing pie. in the pie. I know which one I'm going to eat. <laughs> uh-huh. It's been a great year for growing things, hasn't it? Uh, oh yes, it has been. Speaking of growing except, things, except go on. Um, pottery mm. mildew because mm. uh, you know it's been it, wet. Yeah. Uh, uh, right, exactly. It gets wet, gets dry. It gets wet, it gets dry, and the pottery mildew kind of has zapped my. Uh, because I, you know, I'm 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 the kind of guy that, that I I could put the fungicide on there, but I don't. Uh, I'll cut off some of the the leaves and get the keep the plant going for a while. Uh, but our zucchini has succumbed to powdery mildew. Spe- speaking of mildew and mold, and this may be a question. There's two questions I want you know maybe people who are listening to to throw in the mic and peg is. A, where's the best place to go to pick apples? Because I want to do some apple picking tomorrow. Oh. And, and C, if, if you're halfway through eating um, a piece of bread or, or a muffin, all right, something that was organic and did not have preservatives, and you're halfway through eating it and notice that um, – There's you, a worm in it? No, no, no. no, no, no. There's uh, some mold on it? There's <laughs> some mold on it, yeah. Um, good or bad? If you like penicillin, you're, you're – you're you're rocking there. You're, All right, just no. put more butter on it. Close your eyes. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, I, at that part, it, it's it's already through my esophagus and into my stomach. I can't do that. So I, I throw that part away. But it, it, if you realize that you ate some mold, okay, or didn't realize it, and you know now you realize that, good or bad, terrible thing. Put your finger in your in your mouth. No, up I, don't, Chuck. I, I don't think it's, it's a problem. It's, it's in it's, everything we eat. Yeah. you just can't see it typically. Ah, uh, so when you see it, is it worse than when you can't see it? Only in your head. Okay. All right. So these are all these are all good answers. I feel better now. I I don't worry about it. You know, often if if you know, okay. Let me put it this way. I mean, you cut off mold off off cheese. Cheese, right? exactly. I was right. going to say. I was looking at. I don't want to eat it. Moldy cheese in my refrigerator just yesterday, and thinking, hmm, I should uh, take. Sounds uh, like my fridge. <laughs> See, I think everybody's fridge is like that, except for. Well, People who are totally OCD. And you know? I think it depends what you have the mold on. If you open a jar of 
jelly and it's got fuzzy stuff at the top, you probably want to get rid of it. Right. Or, or right. definitely canned tomatoes or salsa with fuzzy stuff. Get rid of it. Yeah. Cheese mold. Cheese normally molds. Bread. Bread normally molds. Right. Right. So the bread mold, not a big deal from what you're telling me. Down with the beard. I am not a better. doctor. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, 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 I don't worry about it. Let me okay, put it yeah, that right. way. There's, you know, put some peanut butter on it. Let or me put it this way. Even, even with the the uh, some tomatoes, when you grow your own, um, they split or they get black spots or something on mm-hmm. them, and I cut them off and right. eat the tomato, and it's usually just perfect. Right. Uh, I mean, right, and right. I've been doing that all week, uh, and they're great. Uh, I, I taste nothing and uh, except goodness. And speaking of, of of something that we needed, which was a dry pattern, we got it. You know, this is it in yeah. spades, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, this it's, is. It's, this we're not going to get any uh, water here, any precip until precip. maybe Wednesday. Okay. Maybe Wednesday. Which I think it's kind of nice to, it, but it seems like typical September when that happens. Doesn't this is. It? I always say you've heard me say this for years now. We've been working together a while. Um, early early September. The nicest weather of the year. It's mm-hmm. just it's just fantastic. Uh, everything is fully grown out. Everything is fully green. The only thing is that we know that in in two months it's all gone. It's all gone. But but that's the way it goes, you it's, know. And, yeah. and and the rejuvenation starts and the renew, right. renewal. Um, you just want it to last yeah, longer. I was you know? I was literally thinking this morning the heat could be on in a month. Just oh yeah, scary. yeah, the heat in your house. Yeah. It's oh yeah. Just oh, scary. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. It got a little chilly last night. You know, you felt no, a little no, bit. Of, I did too, but it was nice. Yeah. Man, yeah, just pull the covers yeah. up a little mm-hmm, bit. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you're teaching these days at Loyola, is yeah. that right? Yeah, Loyola University. You're um, an adjunct. Adjunct at Loyola. Adjunct at um, uh, Lewis University. An affiliated adjunct at Oakton Community College. Wow, I didn't realize you were doing all three. Okay. Yeah. Um, I try to not to. You know, talk about that as much. I like to make the colleges think that where I teach, I'm the only person there. But, uh, but most adjuncts they will know. They yeah, know. yeah, they can always find out. Yeah. Um, but at Oakton, I'm affiliated, which means that I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm I'm full time, but I'm not expected to be part of committees and things like that. But I am on one committee right now, which is how to get uh, more high school students uh, involved in in science. Uh, in, in environmental science and sustainability in, if you want to call it, meteorology. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're doing is we, we conducted a, uh, a survey of, of some faculty members at Oakland Community College, which runs a great STEM program, science, technology, engineering, and math. And every year they run the, uh, the Chicagoland Northeast Illinois Science Olympiad, which you have all these students basically from, I want to say, grade four up through grade 12. Uh, and they come into Oakton, I believe it's in late March, uh, for one day, and they basically go through um, e- exams, 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 and, and, and each school has a team of their smartest. And at the end, we figure out who was the best, and they get awards. Um, so from that, as, as well as the different districts that feed Oakton, uh, we're contacting all the different high schools and making sure that their science teachers are aware of some of the you know, some of the internships, some of the volunteer programs, but, but more than anything, um, not, not, not checking up on the high school teachers to see what they're teaching is the right thing or the right way, but getting them more involved in um, wanting to come to community college. And this is the key, is, is getting an inner city kid or, or inner suburban kid interested in community college and not putting the pressure on them that the only way they're going to succeed outside of high school is to go to a four-year university. Mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of people who get kind of ostracized because they didn't have the grades to go to a four-year school. So they go, well, I'm only going to Oakton or I'm only going to Harper. Community colleges are the bomb these days. I, I really believe that there is a huge push. That's a quote, by the way. <laughs> Community colleges are the bomb. It, Rick DeMaio. It, it, it really is. And with President Obama's um, you know, plan to make it more affordable um, and, and to, to put more money towards it, there's been a huge increase in students, not only young but also old, going back to school. And community colleges is where you can go and still be at home and work and, and, and learn a lot. So part of the program that we're doing at Oakton is to get the high school students involved through the high school teachers, and then that'd be a nice you know, kind of bridge to go right into Oakton or Harper um, or Northeastern, which is a private school, um, but, but to not feel bad about the fact that they're going to a two-year school. Sometimes I, I talk to students and they go, well, I'm here first before I go to U of I. I, go, I understand it, but don't feel bad about it. You're in college. You're learning, mm-hmm. and, and that's an admirable thing. So we're trying to make sure that, that the signs that they're getting in high school will help them by the time they get to college. That's great. That's yeah. that's that's just great stuff. And and Oakton's got a huge garden in the back in, in the back of the, uh, of the of the nature building there um, or the natural science building there rather. Uh, a beautiful outdoor garden. They got some indoor stuff as well and and some of that some of those things they use to help teach the students as well in ecology and biology and things like that. You know, one of the things and by the way we're talking to meteorologist Rick DeMaio and one of the things that has changed over the years since you and I went to college is and I find this when I Google you or look you up in a search engine, your name, and they have rate my professor online yeah. and, and those things. That's got to be a little annoying and frustrating to have those things because then any <laughs> any idiot kid can can rip you a new one yeah. and uh, there's not much you can do about it. And in the old days, um, it would there were reputations, but it was all word of mouth, you know. Yeah, it, and it's part of our passive aggressive society and it's intertwined with social media where you can say whatever you want but not really stand in front of someone and talk to them eye to Mm -hmm. eye where you're going to probably edit what you're saying or you're going to say you know what i i I liked this part but i really wish you've done done this differently so um part of rate my professor is good because the good teachers will get the students because they're good they're good teachers which is good but some teachers who may have had, you know, a bad semester where things just didn't click, you know, next thing you know, you'll get a couple of really awful reviews and kids will look at it, next thing you know, word spreads. Yeah. Um, and also, and I don't want to get too picky about this, but it used to be you would fill out a form. Now evaluations are done through, you know, basically a, a laptop or, you know, a, f- a computer in, 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 the, in the school library. And you can, you can just let it all out <laughs> and, and send it. And all of a sudden... You may have department chair looking at 30 good ones and they see two bad ones and they go, hey, look at these two bad ones here. What yeah. happened? Yeah. So um, there, there are some good things about it, but I think ultimately people just have to realize that words that are typed, once you push the send button, you can't get them back. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to go, I don't think I really wanted to say that. And that's just how social media is. And that's how it is. Yeah. It's very and passive aggressive. I saw this article. There's an article, I think, in the latest Time magazine um, about how the trolls have taken over the internet, and yeah. it's mm-hmm. yeah, right, right. I saw that. Yeah, have we built this this what is it a, a, a culture of hate exactly know, through the internet? Yeah. And and we have. There's a lot of that out there, mm-hmm. and I don't see it that much. You know, it's interesting because Twitter always comes up. Nobody 
All right, I'm, I'm setting myself up here, but I, I rarely have anybody come after me on Twitter, all right? And maybe it's because we're information-based. We're, I'm, I'm not putting a lot of opinions out there. Usually we're putting out links to, to uh, information yeah. you can mm-hmm. learn and read about. Uh, so I don't get that sort of backlash. But Twitter seems to be the worst, and I just don't experience so i'm i'm knocking on wood here i'm hoping i don't and you know? and there's so many people you know when i was in you know tv for 16 years i'm glad i was out before the facebook and twitter sensation you know basically cast a different you know shadow on how we're supposed to do things yeah and you would have literally probably news directors going make sure when you're home and you find this to be interesting send this out on your facebook or your twitter feed and, and everybody's going well, wait a minute when i leave work i'm done you know, but now people are working not anymore. At, at right, eighteen, nineteen, twenty hours a day, and sometimes sending tweets out that they go, "Oh, oh I probably shouldn't have done that." You know, mm-hmm. so there's much more of that. And I make sure, first off, I've I've never had a Twitter account, and I make sure that if I get any of these requests from students to like them on Facebook, I usually say no. I I, I think there's there's, there's, there's a wise choice. Yeah, the, thanks, you, you, but no thanks. Yeah, you gotta have this certain you know boundary between the student, the distance. Teacher. Yeah, and it's yeah. weird because I'm in completely opposite frame of mind because I want people to follow me so they'll know about the show, so they'll they'll listen oh, yeah. to the show, and oh, yeah. and it's a different thing. But I still have to be careful because I get these friend requests, and there are no there's no other information and mm-hmm. no mutual friends and. Now I got to make a judgment call, and I got to go to their site and try to see if I can find right. something that will give me a clue. Um, and if I can't, then I delete it. There's and not many much of I those can... are just phishing. Yeah, they're exactly. not real. You got to be careful right. about. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Uh, to the subject at hand, the New York Times this morning headline: Flooding of coast caused by global warming has already begun. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they say here, I, I, I was, and I just saw this because Patrick alerted me to this before uh, he left. He says, for decades, the, as the global warming created by human emissions caused land ice to melt and ocean water to expand, scientists warned that the accelerating rise of the sea would eventually imperil the United States coastline. Mm-hmm. Now, those warnings are no longer theoretical. Right. The inundation of the coast has begun. The sea has crept up to the point that a high tide and a brisk wind are all it takes to send water pouring into streets and homes. Yeah, and I think we saw that um, yesterday in parts of Atlantic City with the storm surge and the, the high winds due to you know, the remnants of which was, which was at that point yesterday, Tropical Storm Hermine. Um, it, didn't, it doesn't take much. Now, Hermine is pushed a little bit further out into the sea, expected to then move westward. So even though it's not going to have the same, quote, path that Sandy did, which was pretty much east to west, um, the fact that it's sitting there for 72, almost 96 hours, yeah. this constant battering of the waves, what you're doing is you're taking the sand um, at the, the basically the, the edge of the shoreline, removing it, and now having less of a barrier, a natural barrier, to protect your 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 coast or, or your streets, you know, from the inland flooding. Um, and it's very interesting to note, Mike, um, the National Hurricane Center yesterday when what we call the deep convection ring that usually surrounds a hurricane or tropical storm, once that was detached to the north and east, Hermine became what's called a non-tropical storm. Now, mm-hmm. Hurricane Center will follow all tropical systems. When Sandy became non-tropical back in 2012, they said the storm has now become non-tropical. 
we are handing off all watches and warnings to the local National Weather Service offices. That was a PR and forecasting disaster. Mm. Because what happened was everything was now pushed off the National Hurricane Center. All of your National Weather Service sites, which along that area there's probably about maybe five or six, Philly, um, New York City, Boston, down into Washington, D.C., Charleston, uh, North Carolina, or Charleston, South Carolina, Cape Hatteras. They had to then handle all their own forecasting from a standpoint of winds and waves, which is okay. But what happened was Sandy was no longer called a hurricane. So all of a sudden people said, what do we call it? And then it became called, you know, it became a superstorm, which no one really knew what that was. But what happened was the people who lived closest to the shoreline didn't really then take the storm seriously enough to protect themselves. So you had, you know, 9, 10, 12-foot storm surge, which is almost Category 3, for a non-hurricane. And people were pretty upset about it. Uh, about two months later, I was at a National, Hur- a National Weather Service, or AMS, American Meteorological Society, conference in Austin, Texas. And they had a town hall meeting um, on Hurricane Sandy. How did we do? What could be done better? The room was reserved for 400. About a half hour before the meeting started, there was about 1,000 people lined up. Whoa. The, you know those big halls with the, with the walls that separate? They had, a, they had to open that up. Mm-hmm. And the director of the Hurricane Center, Rich Nab, was up there talking about why they did what they did. And everybody sitting there going, okay, stop defending yourself and just say, you, you, you didn't screw up, but you made the wrong decision based on the manual, based on what you're supposed to do. And this is why people didn't take the storm seriously. So what happened yesterday? After Hermine became non-tropical, the Hurricane Center said, even though Hermine is no longer non-tropical, we will be issuing all hurricane or statements and forecasts and advisories until Hermine is completely no longer a threat. Mm. So they switched gears. They realized that they needed to do something on this. Another thing that they did was they took their, their storm surge forecast, which is literally based on a tropical weather system. Now, tropical weather systems, most of the... The winds are surrounding the eye of the storm, literally within, say, 5 to about 15, 20 miles out. When you get a non-tropical storm, the wind radius actually builds further outward because the storm basically becomes flatter. So what they said was, no longer are we using the tropical weather forecast model for storm surge because it hasn't been working. We will go with a different model. So they did two things. They changed their authority on the storm and they altered the way that they're forecasting storm surge. Two really good things that, that, that was a result of public backlash and also the realization that, you know what, our previous method of doing science didn't work. So even your best scientists in the world, every once in a while, I tell my students this, you have to be able to allow yourself to be humbled. If all you're going to do is sit up there and say, nope, I did it right because this is the way I'm supposed to do it, you're not going to become a better scientist. Yeah. And a lot of people back in 2012 said, well, Sandy was a one in 100-year storm. I said, you know, we'll see another one of these in five years. I was wrong. It's been four years. Well, <laughs> Hermine is, is doing almost the exact same thing as Sandy, not as strong, but it's becoming a strong system that's not moving due to the fact that the Gulf Stream in that area is incredibly warm mm-hmm. and the upper-level winds are not kicking it out. They're actually pushing it back. This is the norm. This is going to be the norm. We played that at the top of the show. Um, you probably didn't hear it, but um, right, at, I, I, it was um, Seth Myers did a piece on, on this stuff and the 500-year events <laughs> happening. We've had 
and he has a, he had a guy on I don't know if it's a scientist or an observer somebody he quotes him on the show says we've had eight 500 year events in the last year in the United States alone yeah I think from a flooding standpoint right yeah 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 eight. oh yeah and and you know part of that also is maybe the previous way that we measured these 500 year events was based on a stagnant population so I think that number is probably not a good number. You know, so when you say it's a five hundred year something, what was that based on? What was the rubric used? What was the yeah. what was the analog? It probably wasn't a very good one. So you have to throw that out. And maybe say it was a two fifty, or or a one <laughs> or a one. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I, the science yeah. in the beginning probably wasn't that good. So when people say, yeah, but this is how it used to be, I'm like, yeah, but how good was was that? When you in retrospect, if you go back and look, well, at our the, data was not the same then as it is now, for one thing. Yeah, and and the population is expansion and and all those other things as well, and, and how humans have affected the environment probably wasn't understood. So, so, so the base that that we're comparing it to is not a good base. Yeah, it just it just was not a good. So base. here we have this art, and by the way, uh, the good thing that that came out of that uh, that situation that you mentioned is that something improved and it was yes okay. <laughs> science uh and uh which is now loud enough yeah but, you, uh, you you it, it's it, it it should be more like science. there we go there you go science. It, it it's always difficult to admit that as a really smart person you were wrong okay uh you have to be able to say we, we need to go back i mean after after 2004 2005 all you kept hearing about was we're in, a, we're in an increasing trend for hurricanes. That was the worst thing to say. Just because the, earth, the, the ocean temperatures are warming, you were going to get more hurricanes. You need three things for hurricanes. You need warm oceans. You need lack of low-level shear. You need a lot of upper-level divergence, which allows the storm to grow. We've had some years of really warm water, some years of near normal, and some years of below normal. Um, and we've noticed that, that the overall upper-level winds – have not allowed hurricanes to develop their, their normal way. There's been too much low-level shear um, coming across the, the equatorial regions. So even this storm, Hermine, which started out all the way on the west side of or off the west coast of Africa, by all accounts, it should have been a hurricane a week and a half ago, but it just kept getting ripped apart, ripped apart, ripped hmm. apart. Not until it got into the eastern gulf where the water was a little bit warmer in a concentrated area and had very little wind did it finally become a tropical storm and a hurricane. And we got lucky because the Big Bend area of Florida, where it hit, is is not a very populated region. That's a lot of marshland. You have very few people live on there. And you had three- to four-foot storm surge, and Cedar Key had a 7.5-foot storm surge, which, by the way, I was there over the summertime. I spent I spent an afternoon on Cedar Key Beach. Wow. Because it was about a two-hour drive from my parents' house. Um, so to see it on TV, I'm like, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I think I was the, I was the weather black plague for the southeast because when i drove from 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 chicago down to florida seriously i stopped in valdosta florida at a chick-fil-a and got lunch and they were hit i, I went down to florida went to cedar key they had their record storm surge then i came back it north. was because you stopped at a chick-fil-a yeah, that's that was the really problem it. right yeah. there yeah. yeah and and then i stopped off in in charleston south carolina visited my friend Hermine went right over the top of charleston then I came back here, spent a couple of weeks on home. Then I went back east, mm -hmm. visited um, family in the Poconos, went down to Cape May and also Ocean City, Maryland, which were then now being affected by Hermine as well. So 
Um, no one's going to let you into the no, restaurant. No one's going to let you in. This is the guy that was here. Um, you, you know, know what's amazing ago. though about the East Coast is that all these things are so much. They seem so much closer together than you know uh, out here in the Midwest and in the West. Um, you're not making a side trip from St. Louis mm-hmm. to Yellowstone or anything like that. Okay, it's that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. two days. Yeah, that's two days. You know, and um, uh, but on the on the East Coast, a lot of these areas are. I'm not saying Florida is right next to New York. Right, but, right, right. But, but it's so much denser population yeah. there. Yeah, you go down to Charleston, beautiful city, but you have homes that are literally built on on a brick wall with a fence, and then there's the ocean, yeah. which mm-hmm. is right there. So obviously the effects are much greater. But to get back to the earlier point about, you know, we had Sandy and we had Hermine. Now, Hermine's not going to be a billion-dollar storm. It'll probably be a multi-million-dollar storm. For the Northeast. It's not going to turn in the way it, that no, Sandy it, did? It's, it's still going to go in a little bit. But the thing with Sandy is Sandy was such a much larger storm. It had a much larger storm surge that once Sandy started pushing, it didn't stop. So when, when it got into that New Jersey, New York area, not only did it hit during high tide, but also full moon as well. Uh-oh. So you had 12 to 13 to 14 foot storm surge. And I seem to recall that... There was a front that was backing up at the same time, oh, yeah. pushing Sandy. So you had the, the hurricane winds, and then you had this front coming in from the northeast right. and, and backing in and right. pushing it all pushing it all inland. Yeah, the, the whole thing metamorphosized into something that we had never seen before. Um, but if you look at the overall dynamics with, with Sandy and the overall dynamics with Hermine, they're the same. They, they literally are the same. It, it's, like, it's like looking at, a, at, a, at an NFL player – and like a college football player, they're, 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 they look the same, they're built the same, but one's bigger and one's not. Mm-hmm. And, and this is going to be something that they have to be concerned about is slow-moving storms, uh, the erosion of, of beachfront property, which is going to be huge with this event. Probably not as much, but, but think about the economic loss of people not going to places like Ocean City, Maryland, and Cape May, and the boardwalk of Atlantic for City. For Labor Day. For Labor Day weekend, yeah. which is usually one of it's, – it's, it's more popular on Labor Day weekend because the weather's usually much better, much better than on, on Memorial Day weekend. Right. And you have four days, uh, Friday night or Friday – four nights, f- Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, and half of Monday. So your hotels are probably still getting their money because people have, have, you know, have rented it or, 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 or uh, reserved it a while ago. But it's all your secondary and tertiary things like – like someone taking out a boat, um, your restaurants, your, um, uh, your your beach passes, which you know cost uh, six bucks, whatever. So this is this is the wave of the future from that standpoint. And and you know what? As much as people can be climate deniers, the people who were impacted by Sandy, they're not climate deniers. They they saw it happen and are like, I ain't waiting around for this again. When I was in Ocean City, Maryland, I was amazed. The beach is all built up about six to eight feet. Above the above the shoreline, so it's mm-hmm. not like Lake Michigan. You literally walk into the beach. Right. You almost have to literally walk down a, 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 a little, you know, embankment to get to the water because of these events. Because these of these events, they built them up, and now there's like a four foot concrete um, seawall that has been yeah. reinforced. It's always been there, but they're not taking any chances with this. So, yeah. so the one in five hundred has now become a one in probably five or ten year. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Uh, and it takes me to the question, which we'll get to after we do a, a short break here, mm-hmm. which is the question I posed to you last week. You got these nimrods out there who are still saying, uh, we're not causing this, uh, or even worse, 
it's not happening. Right. Okay. And we don't need to do anything about it. And it's all a conspiracy. Right. And, and here mm-hmm. we got the front page lead story, New York Times. Ah, this liberal morning. paper. That's right. Sunday, New York Times, mm-hmm. no less, saying it's it's here. It's already yeah. here. So how do you, you know, and so do those people just say, no, it's not here. There's not flooding going on. I mean, what what is your defense? Is it? It's insane. Yeah, there, there really is no defense. There really is no defense. Yeah. yeah. So you can go to the break, and then we'll talk about it after. All right. Let me do this first, uh, Peggy. Uh, the September October issue of Chicagoland Gardening Magazine has hit the newsstands, and boy, that's going to leave a mark. Uh, nevertheless, there's a terrific article by Kathy Jean Maloney about a seven million dollar restoration project at Chicago's Jackson Park. It involves landscape architects, engineers, historians, and ecologists in an effort that she says might be the first time uh, such a significant landscape has been restored with an equal emphasis on history and ecology. And then there's always my column on the inside back page of every issue. Many people have tried to renovate my words, but sometimes things are just broken beyond repair. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com, but if you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600, 888-265-3600. You might have missed your opportunity to get the Mike Novak discount, but this is still a great time to order your native plants online. Order from Native Communities Native Plants. Owner and operator Nick Fuller was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he says that, like non-natives, it's a good idea to get the plants started now, before the cold weather hits. Now, there's all kinds of plants you can get started as plugs now, such as liatris and coneflower and coreopsis and sedges and even ferns. Fern, uh, Fuller says that if you're new to native landscaping and looking for a good launching point, Take a look at their native plant kits, as they have a pretty solid palette of native landscaping plants to start with, from shady and sunny to wetter areas as well. From there, the sky's the limit. So plant with Chicagoland's native plant source, Natural Communities Native Plants. Go to naturalcommunities.net and tell them Mike Novak sent you. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in the Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to live healthier lives. And Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings, it's the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even healthy pets. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to help keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Chicago and suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us online at nachicagonorth.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Looking for a housing investment that can pay big dividends? Remodel your kitchen or bathroom. You'll freshen up your home and add value to it, too. Trust DR Services Unlimited, 847-998-1687 for all your remodeling needs. Kitchens, bathrooms, master suites, and more. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau and recommended on Angie's List. DR is a proud member of NARI. DR provides exceptional quality at a fair price. Contact DR at 847-998-1687 or at RestoreTheNorthShore.com. 
this song is also in honor of Rick DeMaio. And we did. We got him in studio. Oh, Yay! Peggy, yes, it is DeMaio Palooza on the Mike Novak Show. And Peggy has opened the Do Not Open box, which has uh, apple pie in mm-hmm. it. Wow. From locally grown farmers. This is just... From Hoosier Mom. That is a beautiful pie. We, it, all right. It's kind of right, just... I, I think a photo, think a photo of the pie has to go up on... Uh, on the Twitter distraction. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're, we're discussing climate change and weather, and uh, more and more, Rick, they're, they're really connected, aren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and the thing people have to realize um, is you can, you can learn about climate change through just reading a book and saying, okay, this is what climate used to be, and this is what it is now. But, but the best way to learn about something, is, especially when it's changing, is to keep up with how climate is affecting weather. Now, I've actually had some, some, some pretty, well, we'll call them healthy debates with other people in the field of academia. Um, and I won't name the schools, okay? <laughs> uh, but, but, but how to properly teach climate change. Do you just teach climate change? Or do you teach climate variability, which is how climate change induces variability in patterns and then do you also teach how it alters you know synoptic scale weather patterns which is basically a large scale pattern that can impact weather for three days um and do you also teach some of the not so much the fallacies but the things that we've gotten wrong over the last 10 or 15 or 20 years with climate change so you can look in a textbook and it may say warmer waters will lead to stronger hurricanes well not all the time Okay, you're not going to get strong hurricanes all the time. You're going to get weak ones. So what you need to be able to do is to inform the student that every once in a while, things aren't going to work out the way that we said them. However, you can still learn from that. In other words, the hurricane season has gotten longer. It's starting earlier. It's ending later. Uh, The area where the oceans are warming are moving further northward. So if you look at what happened to Hawaii uh, just this past week, they had Hurricane Madeline, which was a Category 2, just barely missed them to the south. I mean, and this is, this is uncharted territory here. We don't right. see that happening in Hawaii, yeah, do yeah. we? Well, we've had four landfalling hurricanes Hawaii in the last 60 years, okay? So if you say, okay, four in the last 60 years, that's basically one every 15 years. We had two this week. Two. We had Hurricane Madeline. We had Hurricane Lester. Literally right behind one another. Right. And I still say the biggest news story. Like CTA buses. Right, 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 right. <laughs> the ones with the, with the second, you know, little like, yeah, but, accordion part but, of them. But what I call leapfrogging where they're, they're, they're right behind each other and you go, where were you 20 minutes ago and now uh, you're both together? I, I, know. I, remember, I remember when I was at Fox, Walter Jacobson did a story where he, he noticed that the, the, the buses were close together and they were both the same number. And he was like, why do we need two buses close together? The first one had people on it. The second one did it. Aren't we, aren't we like, you know, like screwing the people of Chicago by not having these buses maybe 10 minutes apart? And he would have like himself waiting on the, on the corner looking like someone who takes a bus with a stopwatch. And, <laughs> and, and that, he wasn't dressed like, like a bum. No, right? no, no. Not, no. not but, that time. But, but, you know, that's great reporting. Yeah. That's, that's what people need to know about. Yeah. So when, when I talk about Hurricane Madeline and Hurricane Lester, both storms missed the islands directly. 
but they created 50, 60 mile per hour winds. They probably ruined a lot of people's vacation. Uh, they probably destroyed some parts of the ecosystem, which we don't know about. Mm-hmm. We haven't sent any any. Um, we haven't sent Michelle Hoffman down with an underwater camera. To yeah, see what it and, looks and, like. and a shout out to her. Uh, she's out in the Arctic and she's sending back these amazing things about her film Microcosm. Right, right. I'm she's back. Have... She got back about two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, she did some incredible work up there. So, so these are all the things that that it's not so much more hurricanes, but the hurricanes are moving into areas that we've never seen before. They're going further north, like a Sandy or like a Hermine, and they're moving into areas that people were normally going, yeah, but they're not supposed to get here, and we're kind of beyond that time mm-hmm. frame. Those, those things are, are not so much easy to quantify in a graphic. You know, everybody wants to, wants to know, normal is 12, we had 15, therefore three above normal. Or mm-hmm. normal is 12, we had nine, it's three below normal. You said it's always going to be above normal. So what I think we did a while ago with climate change is we oversimplified some of the results and we shot ourselves in the foot. You can't oversimplify climate change and you, sent, you certainly can't oversimplify the effects of it. And, and, and with the growing population moving into areas that we've never seen before, um, we're learning more about how we go about predicting science, especially new science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> New, you know, look look back at the 1950s. You know, we started to come out with all these great movies about what to do if if we split the atom underground in New Mexico and it's going to disturb a whole bunch of ants. And next thing you know, we have ants the size of a CTA bus. <laughs> Why did I know that was the movie you were going to bring the, the, up? The movie them. them, right? Them. But 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 Peggy, we, we we were able to get to the 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 overall larger population. Through things like through those movies, movies and and through books, because you know the scientists weren't going to tell us that they weren't going to say, you know what, if we don't do this correctly, there's going to be flying ants in L.A. and you know the size of, <laughs> but 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 and 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 even though we tried to do it with a couple of movies, um, Al Gore's movie Inconvenient Truth was was good. There was parts of it I think that were over the top. Uh, the movie The Day After Tomorrow was absolutely mm-hmm. terrible. It was awful. It mm-hmm. made zero sense scientifically. Well, but that was Hollywood. Al Gore's was not Hollywood, and The Day After Tomorrow was Hollywood. Right, but what you do know, you expect from Hollywood? And, and by now, everything is just effects. Everyone figures right. it's just a special effect. Right, where, where the movies back in the 50s was a story, and the effects carried the story. Now the story has to catch up to the effects, You know, which is really a shame. So... So, yeah, because we can make we can make New York City look like it's in the deep freeze. Uh, we don't know how it gets there, but uh, we'll make it look like it. Right, and and it makes people dismiss dismiss the science even quicker. Um, it, until makes it, har- it makes it harder on. Okay. <laughs> so so yeah, so you need you need like a gut check like Sandy, you need a gut check like Hermine, and maybe a gut check like Hurricane Madeline and Lester to go. You know what? Maybe we shouldn't build that um, resort on the northeast side of, of Maui there. We probably should stay on the west side, which is why those resorts went in on the west side, because you're basically immune to hurricanes and high surf from a tropical storm. That could even but, be but 500 that, miles away. I thought in the case of Hawaii, they traditionally come from the west going east. Don't those typhoons come that well, way? Well, for, for Hawaii, they actually come from the east southeast and move northwest they basically okay. kind of curve from like four o'clock on a clock to like 10 o'clock just, yeah. just the way they curve around well yeah, the, okay. the last one which is almost similar to what you said hurricane aniki back in 1992 came from the south and went right over the top of Kauai. Mm. Uh, and that was a category four it was small but it nailed them it it really went holy smoke 
Where did this come from? And that wasn't really part of climate change. That was pretty much an outlier storm. Right. But the bottom line is we had probably a half dozen hurricanes last year in the East Pack that didn't hit Hawaii just due to dumb luck. And, and, yeah. and one of the things you have, and that's one of the reasons why we have percentages in the field of science, you have an 80% chance, 20% of it is it may not happen or it just didn't because it just didn't. And there's no other way of, of explaining it at that point. All right. Let's uh, get to a couple of questions that uh, have come uh, pouring in. <laughs> uh, and one is from Annie Haven. Hi, Annie, out in the left coast. And she says, uh, I hear Southern California is in for hurricane-type weather to hit between September 9th and the 16th. I'll try to find the link, but uh, would love Rick's take on it. Yeah, and 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 Annie always has some great points. Um, well, and to- you know, because she's in the middle of the drought, and we we don't we don't appreciate that here in the Midwest. We right. really do not get it. Yeah, just as we really do not get. Um, the how many feet of water in Louisiana that oh. happened the other week? Okay, we yeah. don't get it. Yeah, and you know that was another thing that the hurricane center was kind of. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't think wrongly accused it because that storm never had a name to it. It was just a tropical wave, and they didn't really have much to do with it. But I, I think we've we've begun to realize that some of these natural disasters, climate related or climate induced, if you want to call it that. We, we need to change the way we go about discussing some of these medium-term storms. If something is going to produce 20 to 25 inches of rain, do we just continue to say, you know, severe flooding is expected? Or we give it a, a title or a name so that people will become a little bit more aware of it? Because mm-hmm. studies have shown when, when people hear the name of something, they react differently to oh, it. Oh, no, don't, don't, don't. I, I know. The Weather Channel with their name and <laughs> no, storms. No, 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 Don't go down that Winter path. storm, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah, but you know what? I have to say. We've had the, Rick and I have had this this discussion for yes. ever since the Weather Channel started naming well, storms. Well, well, the problem with how the Weather Channel went about it initially, and we'll get to Andy's question in a second, was they, they basically, any any winter storm, they gave a name to it. But you can't do that because if you have a foreign storm going through the Twin Cities in Green Bay, people don't care about it. Right. It's, it's snow. But if you have a foreign storm going through Little Rock, Arkansas, Montgomery, Alabama, it's a big thing. So, so what they did was they said any storm is going to get a name. But I've seen, I've seen nor'easters go up the East Coast, produce 40, 50-mile-an-hour winds, and they're not given a name because it's not tropical. But as soon as it becomes tropical, you always worry about, well, could it become a hurricane? Which we know is obviously going to be bad. But you know that what's going to lead to is cold front Adam is going through, you yeah. know, and you go, and then you start, now you're naming everything. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and that's, but you know what, it's a good, it's a good debate. It's healthy. It makes us, you know, understand that you have to adjust science according to the needs and the demands of the public. And um, and I think that's good. It's, it's a good thing to talk about. Uh, but speaking of hurricanes and things being named, a couple of days ago, it looked like there were going to be a few storms developing off the Baja of Mexico and moving up into Southern California. Now it looks like that may not be the case. And, and typically, even if some, something does move in that area, you get some high clouds. You get maybe a little bit of rain. But it, it's really, really rare for anywhere north of San Diego, which is 99.9% of Southern California, to be impact with any flooding rains. Probably more so the southwestern part of Arizona will get more impacted with the monsoon. Uh, but I would say any impact from any tropical storm in Southern California um, at this point does not look any to be anything significant. 
All right. And the other question So what? the other question came in from Tom Ahern, and he wants to know if you have any thoughts on the upcoming winter. Always dangerous. Well, yeah, and, and whenever we talk about a forecast for winter, you always have to compare it to normal, and then you have to compare it to what happened the year before because people always remember the year before. Mm-hmm. Or they remember the year before, the year before, if it was bad. <laughs> I remember right? back in 1967. Right, yeah. Yeah, or, or, or that. And the snow is over, you know, my parents maybe walked to school, you know, something like that. Um, last year, obviously 2015, one of the strongest El Ninos ever. Um, we had our biggest snow of the year, which was on the Friday before Thanksgiving. That was the biggest snow of the year. And it I co- remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, 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 there was no snow last year. Basically. Yeah, there, there, were, there were very few large events. There were very few large events. Um, but that event that took place in November, and I think we even did, did a, a, a brief – I don't know. I think we were talking on the phone before that happened, Mike. Um, but that was actually induced by an ex-typhoon that came all the way across the Pacific Ocean – and went and basically got joined up with our mid-level flow here in the United States and produced a very, very strong cyclone, which had very heavy amounts of, of what we call warm advection snow on the front side, some thunder, some lightning. And then we had cold advection snow on the back side, which gave us lake effect snow. So we had two different types of snow in the same system, which was very unusual. But that's what you can get sometimes in mid-November because the lake is still relatively warm. So... I, I don't see us getting into an early season cold pattern, mainly due to the fact that the the the, um, the West Pacific, meaning the area from like the Dateline to say um, Japan, has been relatively quiet. If you get a very active late season typhoon or, or late si- typhoon season going, that typically induces early season cold outbreaks. And because the lakes are so warm, we would probably have a fairly good chance of getting significant lake effect snow. Mm-hmm. So because I don't see that happening in the Pacific, I cross off early season lake effect snow as being significant. Okay. Okay? So from that standpoint, you could probably take six to eight inches off the board. All right. Um, is there a for, str- for the season. For the season, right. All right. All is right. there a strong El Nino? The answer is no. Okay. Two things can happen with El Nino. The first one is they obviously keep the Arctic air north. So we had five days below zero last year. We typically averaged 12. During the super cold winter of 13, 14, we had 23. Okay, we had record number of hours of below zero as well. So with the onset of La Nina, it's flipped pretty quickly. Yeah, it, it just sort of, El Nino just disappeared, didn't it? It, it, it just disappeared in, in about six months. So it just mm-hmm. didn't happen overnight. Well, uh, no. But, but from, from, from a standpoint of, of an annual event, you can say, yeah, it just disappeared. I want to make sure people realize it just didn't happen. It was gradual. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it was gradual. But it was remarkable that it did so, and we've basically gone into a cooler pattern now, which is going to allow the normal track of storms to move a little bit further south. That generally pulls cold air further south. So we're probably going to have maybe the normal of 9 to 12 days below zero. Okay, Cold air does two things. It allows snow to stay in the ground longer, which keeps temperatures colder. So you would probably say that our overall chance of being closer to normal is probably better. From a standpoint of a storm track, that's always a tough one. It's always really tough to figure out what your storm track is going to be. But forecasting 30 to 40 inches of snow and 9 to 12 days of below zero temperatures is probably the best way to go about this winter. Mm -hmm. Will it be worse than last year? Probably so. Will it be as long as it was in 2013, 2014? Probably not. What I loved about last winter, 
This is one of the nice things about El, about El Nino. All right. Is winter didn't really start here until January. No, you're right. Even Absolutely. though we had yeah. that snow in November, yeah. it was gone in a week. Yeah. And we had temperatures in the 60s in all the way through like the 23rd of December. If you recall, we had our worst storm of the year. It was I think it was two days after Christmas. Remember we had the, like two to three inches of sleet? Mm-hmm. That was that was one of the worst storms all year because it was so difficult to remove that. Yeah. When you get sleet and then rain and then cold, we literally had areas of concrete ice mm-hmm. in the city and, and especially the northern suburbs for almost two months. It was interesting to see that because snow will go away if it's if it's dry out and sunny out. But that stuff literally stayed on the ground for a long period of time. That was a very, very classic result of what you get when you get very, very wet systems, which was El Nino. Uh, that is uh, meteorologist uh, Rick DeMaio. Um, and so I guess the upshot – oh, and by the way, he is proponent of – yeah. uh, <laughs> See, you can't hear it when I when I throw those in when no, you're on no, the no. phone. That's a, that's okay. But um, uh, so no no hurricane in the Baja and in California. No, and probably not a lot of rain and a, a more or less. Uh, and again, as Rick says, doing this out in advance is always tricky. But a more or less normal Chicago winter. Yeah, and and again, snowfall is always the hardest thing to forecast. Yeah. It, it really and and the best way to look at it is. Look at a snowfall map of our area from, like, Antioch down to, say, Kankakee, west to, like, Rochelle to, like, northwest Indiana. And even after a normal winter, it can vary by 20 or 30 inches. Well, I'm just looking, really looking at the rain totals you've been sending oh. me on those maps. Um, there's been a lot, but it really depends on where you are. Yeah. 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 By me, we haven't had nearly as much. Yeah, further north, yeah. Um, probably near normal, if not slightly below normal. Um, Whereas you go down to Kankakee. Kankakee, Bourbonnais, Bradley area, down to Pontiac, almost 18 inches for the yeah. summer. Wow. Uh, further north, northern areas of Cook County, maybe eight or nine, so almost half. Yeah. And it was interesting because once the pattern got set up uh, late August, like the last two weeks of August, it was just it, – it stayed in the same place. Mm-hmm. And the rain just kept coming mm-hmm. and coming and coming. Right, right. And then with that, obviously, well, you have flooding as well. Yeah. Um, and then you look at areas in the deep south, and they've had almost 100 inches of rain in parts of Louisiana into the Florida panhandle. Hey, once in 500 years, yeah, and or the, 250, or 100, or 10, or 3. And then, <laughs> and then you have the governor of Florida you know, saying, if you see a, a, an open pail of water, you know, dump it out. You're doing that in Florida three or four times a day if it rains. You know, when they're you know, trying well, to because fight of the, the Zika, the Zika yeah. virus. Yeah. So, Which, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to handle that in the long term, but it, it's not just dumping out water. There's got to be something else that they need to do with that. Uh, but it is part of climate change. It is the warmer environment that's been pushing mm-hmm. north. Well, Florida had their warmest yeah. winter ever. They had their hottest July ever. Uh, we, and we don't have the numbers for August yet because it might be that August was the warmest month ever. We know that July was the warmest month right. ever, ever, and June before that was what, and, and it'll be interesting to see what the numbers are for August. It'll probably be pretty close to that as well. We didn't have many heat waves, but the, the heat expanded, you know, coast to coast more than anything. Yeah. So that was that was one thing that we got away. We didn't have a really extensive area of high heat in one area for a long period of time. Well, speaking of, of, of weather stuff, uh, well, that's more climate, but uh, we need a forecast. Yeah. Um, so this is about as good as it gets. I think yesterday was perfect. Um, Let's make sure that, that people enjoy the beautiful parks of Chicago. The best thing you could do is go downtown and enjoy 
uh, Jazz Fest, right? Jazz Fest taking place is in it? Millennium Park. Oh, it's uh, this weekend. Yeah, it's good. Al- it's always Labor and, Day weekend, and this is a good time. I mean, we're getting great weather here for yeah, that. And, and I don't know about you, but as much as we've had a lot of rain, have you been complaining about the mosquitoes at night? No. Yes. No. You I, have, but I, I haven't. I haven't been seeing. We're much. we're south, and I'll tell you something. And I thought about this the other day, and I thought, okay, again, I'm cursing myself here. I don't think I've had a single mosquito bite this year. But, now but I haven't pig, been. I think pig, I got ten yesterday. Just in an differently. hour. Well, were you someplace close to the mosquitoes? That my yard. Your yard. Okay. <laughs> Your yard's different from mine. Although uh, you know, if I've been rummaging around in the last week, I uh, probably would have been bitten because it was probably so damp so, yeah. and, and and you know, there's a lot of water out there, but. Take, I, ha- I haven't. Yeah, been. take down the sign. Welcome home, mosquitoes. But um, yeah. no, just being outside the last couple of days, and I, I haven't really had much. No, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Is it something to do? With maybe the cicadas are eating the mosquitoes. I don't know. I found a cicada, by the way, in my mailbox. All right, <laughs> a, a dead cicada in my mailbox yesterday. I'm thinking. thinking how did you get in there? Where there's there's no mates in here. They're know. everywhere, isn't yeah, it? I know. Yeah, I love I love going to sleep with them, listening to them at night. Okay, so um, eighty two, eighty three today, um, probably eighty six tomorrow. Sunny both days. Near ninety on Wednesday. That'll be the first ninety in, in almost three weeks. It'll be number sixteen of the year, which is still too below normal. Um, and a little bit of rain comes at us on Wednesday, and a little bit on Thursday. Uh, but I sent you some information for the 6 to 10 and 8 to 14 day outlook. And we're basically right on the edge of a cool down that begins in about two weeks. Um, and it definitely looks that once we get to about the 16th, 17th, 18th of September, we get into a significantly cooler pattern. Now, a little bit, uh, a little bit warning on this. This is based on non-tropical weather systems getting into the long-term flow. About a month ago, I talked about this as well as us getting into a cooler pattern. As soon as the tropics got going, the cooler pattern never happened. Mm. So there's a pretty good chance this time of the year, um, an 8 to 14 day outlook could easily go back to being an above normal uh, pattern. Based on because the fact, of the tropics. Because of the tropics, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so, so this storm that's now off the coast of New York that's going to sit there for five days has literally altered our pattern here in the, in the Midwest. It'll happen. Oh. It, it'll literally push the dome of air such that any cold front coming in the Midwest just doesn't have a chance of, oh, of moving here. Oh, a question I've always wanted to ask. Sure. Okay, because Skilling is always talking about, we've got this uh, heat dome in the middle yeah. of the country. And I, and I always say, okay, uh, when you say dome, are you talking about going straight up in the air, or are you talking north to south when you talk about a dome? Um... It's more like taking a football and putting one edge over San Francisco and one edge over Washington, D.C. So it's oblong, so it's longer east-west, shorter north-south. But mm-hmm. it expands basically from the surface up to, you know, 15, so, 18, So it is feet. altitude is what we're yeah. talking about. Oh, yeah, 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 so yeah. literally a Yeah, the dome, warm air rising. Because right. I don't know why I found that confusing, but sometimes because you look in, in, in uh, you know, I, I would think, are you going north and south? Is that the dome or is, yeah. that, or is it or is it altitude? Yeah, as Peggy mentioned, the warm air rises, but what it does, is it also expands the atmosphere. So it basically takes the atmosphere and pushes it northward. Usually when you have these massive heat domes, you increase the jet stream on the northern side of it. Because mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're taking eight lanes of traffic and you push it into four. And the atmosphere responds by making the air go faster, mm-hmm. which is why when you have these big heat domes develop in the south and southeast, you get these what's called rim of fire thunderstorms right. that develop and then move very fast from southwest to, to 
to east and then from east to, to southeast. Yeah. Which is why parts of Minnesota, um, Wisconsin, and northern Michigan had tremendous amounts of rain this year because the heat dome kept building in that direction. Um, that's also one of the reasons why when the heat dome builds, severe weather shuts off in the deep south and they basically go dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but tropical storms will add to the heat dome. They really Because you're literally taking air from 2,000, 3,000 miles south and taking it northward and then throwing it up into the air. Literally. It, it's, if you've, have you ever been in a hurricane or a tropical storm, Mike? No. It, Peg, have you? Okay. It is, it is the weirdest feeling in the world. I've been in three or four of them. The air literally feels like someone took the air from the Caribbean and brought it into your neighborhood. It's, it's a different type of humidity than it is here in the Midwest. Oh. The dew point could be 79 or 80, and it's 81 degrees, and it's cloudy, and it's rainy, and, and it feels different. Mm-hmm. And it should because you're literally evecting like a big suitcase and put it in your environment. And it's, the barometric pressure is very low. It's typically well. lower, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's a very, very different feeling, and that has a huge impact on the environment. So uh, warmer weather on, through the rest of the week and probably for the next 10 days – um, I would say the month of September will be warmer and wetter than normal. Um, and again, our November, or I'd say our October and November, will depend a lot of what's going on in the tropics in the West Pack, the Western Pacific. Got it. But I still don't see that becoming active, so we could have near normal weather through that time period.